Welcome to the Teaching with Inquiry live podcast replay, fitting it all together to make inquiry-based learning accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Tonight, we are going to talk about science and how you can transform your science class from worksheet woes to spectacular science classroom. And I have five things that I think every science classroom should include, and I'm going to give you strategies for how you transform your worksheet woe into a more spectacular science program for every one of those five tips. So thank you so much for joining me. My name is Patty, and I'm a teacher here in Ontario, Canada, and I'm also the teacher author behind madlylearning.com. And every Monday night, we have a new video that comes out about all things teaching and learning in the junior grades. And it's my hope that through these videos, we can make teaching and learning more simple, stress-free, and fun for both you and your students. So again, today we are talking about science. So you are definitely in the right place if you are feeling the worksheet woes when it comes to your science program. You're feeling as though you yourself are bored with teaching it or your students just aren't really enjoying it. Oftentimes as teachers, we will blame the content of the curriculum as being dry or boring, but we can definitely add some spice into our instruction to make the teaching and learning portion of that science a little bit more engaging, not only for our students, but also for ourselves. And we can do all of this while also respecting the COVID protocols and guidelines that are currently in our classrooms. And we can still have an engaging science program, even if we can't necessarily get up from our seats. And we may have to rethink how we can approach science in our classroom. And it is no more difficult to have an engaging, interactive science program than it is to have the content where we're just simply handing out read and respond materials in our classrooms for our students to complete. Now, you're also in the right place if you happen to have one of those schedules where somebody expects you to integrate science into some other subject and science becomes an afterthought. And I will highly encourage you to find and carve out some time in your schedule. You've probably been overscheduled for another subject on your timetable and underscheduled for science. And there's ways to restructure your timetable so that you can have at least one dedicated science science period a week where science is going to be your primary focus. And you are also here in the right place if you yourself are feeling overwhelmed by the content in science. As elementary teachers, we are generalists, which means that the majority of us might not actually have a science background. And some of the concepts that are covered might be new, or it might be challenging to us based on our science background. So we may not be fully immersed in all of the content and concepts that our students are teaching. We know enough to teach it, but we don't necessarily know enough to fully explain and being able to answer some of the questions that our students may have. So we're going to go through how you can combat all of these things through the five components of a spectacular science program. 
So this leads us to the five parts of a spectacular science classroom. We want to make sure that our science classrooms have a mix of all of these experience for our students. Most often we rely on the comprehension piece, that green clipboard here on the screen, because this is where we're most comfortable. These are our read and response and comprehension type activities where we just want the students to get it. But they get it so much more if we can access some other inputs for our students to get what it is that we're trying to teach. So these five components are an integral component of all of your science units. So we want to make sure that within our science units that we have hands-on activities. We want to make sure that we have experiential activities where students are experiences through experiments what it is that science is happening in front of them. We also want there to be demonstrative activities where they are seeing the science happen before their eyes. Not necessarily with them being the one doing it, but they're being shown some science in front of them. We do still have a place for the comprehension activities where we have students showing their understanding and also building some of that background knowledge that is going to be essential for what other components are happening in our science program. And finally, we definitely want to have inquiry in our science. Science and inquiry go hand in hand with students wondering why, problem solving, and seeking the answers to those questions. In a spectacular science classroom, we want to have hands-on experiences, hands-on experiences for our for our students. So, in a spectacular science classroom, we want to make sure that students have hands-on opportunities for learning. Science should be about doing, making, building, and constructing. That can be as simple as in a forces, we are looking at using the found materials in our classroom to build structures. They are making them. They're not even making them necessarily with instructions. Now, this is a very easy activity to do in your classroom. It may have to look just a tad bit different in a COVID classroom. However, an example like this is zero prep. You simply provide the students with the instruction of, Here's a gap, make a bridge with the materials we have in the classroom. And students use the textbooks and design a structure that is able to hold those weights. Now, because we're working in classrooms where we can't really have students collaborating in this nature, this could be something that is done outside and is also something that could be used on a much smaller scale. It's also the opportunity to make. So making those bridges, creating things with their hands, getting a little bit dirty, applying the concepts of the things that we're teaching them in science and actually doing and making something out of it. Now, this is going to be an important component because students need to apply what they have learned in the comprehension pieces, in their inquiry pieces. They need to apply what they have learned, apply the science principles, to actually doing it on their own. This is a true demonstration of their understanding of those science principles when they can build and construct, make and explain how the thing that they created demonstrates the different science principles that we are teaching them. We can also go really simple and even 
paper activities can still be constructing and building. In this example, students aren't simply labeling the organs of the digestive system, but they're discovering what each organ is and where they go in order. They're assembling a model of the digestive system with paper. Now, this is definitely an activity, and some types of activities like this can be done in your science classroom to have a hands-on experiment, to have a hands-on activity without necessarily needing to have students moving around the classroom or involved in group work activities. This activity can definitely be done individually, yet students are still creating and constructing from paper materials. Another activity is to create a circuit for electricity and for energy. This, again, is something that students can do individually with given the materials. They're given the map for the electrical circuit and they're given the materials in which to construct it and they simply have to put it together. Students can create this. Certainly, they could learn about circuits through reading. They could learn about circuits through watching a video. But there is simply not the same type of learning that happens between them watching somebody else doing it and actually problem solving and testing and trying to get all of these components to make that light bulb light up. They experience some frustration, they learn along the way, they do experience that failure, but at the end of the day, they really do understand how that electrical circuit goes together because they themselves have constructed it. You're going to get far more deep understanding by getting your students to do the activity than simply just reading about it. And one of my absolute favorite activities to do with students is to make examples of science in action. This is a photo of a ping pong ball shooter, which again can be done individually when you provide each student with their own materials. You can still create and make things even when you don't necessarily have the ability to wander around or work collaboratively in groups. Each student can use a paper cup, a balloon, some scissors, and something to shoot. Now in this example, they have these small pink ping pong balls. However, anything can be shot out of these ping pong ball shooters, including wadded up a piece of paper or other projectiles. You do have to remember to not shoot other people, but this would be a great example of let's take it outside. Build it in the classroom, take it outside and start shooting it. Set up some targets and have them shoot at it. Learn how to apply the principles of kinetic and potential energy to a real life hands-on activity that they created. You really can't beat the engagement of some of these hands-on activities and allowing students to apply what they have learned in the science principles that you have taught them and actually getting them to apply them in these hands-on activities. There is nothing that beats the experiential learning of a student constructing something to show their understanding. An activity like these, these hands-on activities, are also so easily to differentiate for all of your students. Your students are able to construct and demonstrate simple concepts of principles, even if they are beginning ELL or they are lower in their reading level or have a learning disability. All students have access to creating materials and explaining how the science works using these materials. So it's so much easier to differentiate these activities because they are hands-on and so many of our neediest learners excel in these type of activities. 
The second way that you are going to get a spectacular science program is to use experiences for your students and to use experiments. Now, these again are going to be a little bit different and we have to approach them a little bit differently in COVID type classrooms. However, science should be about feeling, being a part of, testing, and experimenting. If you are teaching about the human body, one of the best ways to get students to see the blood and see the different components of what makes up our blood is not to see blood, but it's to make blood out of found objects. Now, these are easily found objects, whether or not students are creating this at home because you're a distance learning teacher or you're doing this in the classroom, you can use this as a model. Now you could either demonstrate this for students or you can have some students creating this on their own by following instructions. Adding things like marshmallows, Cheerios, and buttons to red food dye mixed with salt will allow you to create blood in your classroom and have students identify the different components that make up blood. For most students, when they think of blood, they just think of the gooey substance that comes out of your skin when you cut yourself. They don't see that blood is made up of all of these different parts. So by putting this experiment together, you are making it concrete for your students. Again, this is great for our neediest learners because they can see it in action. They can apply that understanding from this experiment to understanding the different parts of blood. You are not going to get that kind of learning from simply just reading about it. Some students might, but a lot of students won't. By using experiments, you are opening up the learning in your classroom to be able to be accessible for more and more students in your room. You can also do experiments with light and have them recording their learning on different pages. But in these activities, you simply need a flashlight, some cards, and some boxes. Simple found materials, these can also be done in the classroom at their desks, at their spots, and students can be doing these without needing to work collaboratively with others. You can also have one student doing, a couple students watching and providing direction while still maintaining distancing. These activities again can also be done outside or can be done using a demonstration task. Gamification of learning is definitely a way for students to experience different concepts that are difficult to understand because they're quite advanced sometimes for understanding how things work. In this activity, this is a game that teaches students how habitats and ecosystems stay balanced. This is a difficult concept often for students to understand. However, through the experience of playing this game, students are able to see what happens when we have too many of one thing. Too many plants and we have too many rabbits. Too many rabbits, we have no plants. If no plants, then we have no rabbits, and no rabbits means our ecosystem is out of whack and ends up being a failure. Same if we have too many wolves, then they don't eat the rabbits, the plants go out of control. When it's not stays in, when, when a habitat doesn't stay in balance, then students realize that they begin to play this game as a competitive nature where you've got the foxes against the hares. But then they learn that they really, in order to win this game and keep it going, they must work together and that an ecosystem survives only when there is balance among all of the parts. 
This is the fastest and easiest way that I have ever taught this concept to 10 and 11 year olds because they get it. They get it when they do it. They don't always get it when they read it. So playing a game is a great way to do this. Now you can also play this game as a phys ed or DPA type game outside with your students where they can learn how to keep an ecosystem alive. But providing your students with the experience of feeling what it feels like to go through this type of activity is a great way for them to learn these difficult concepts that might be a bit too advanced for somebody their age level and it's often difficult for us to simplify it. Once again, this also is easily differentiated because there's multiple access points. Every student can play this game regardless of their strengths and needs because it is accessible to a variety of students. So they can all learn the concepts and participate in the activity even if they don't necessarily have the language, they don't have the reading skills, or they might be modified below grade level. Spectacular science tip number three is about making demonstrative tasks. So science should be about seeing these things happen, watching how things work and exploring the why of what is happening. Now these are going to be, these could be teacher demonstrations or it's something that they're simply watching. So they could be watching a video, making science visual and come to life, real life. We want to take science out of the pages of a textbook, off of the readings and respond type questions, and we want to make it real. Anytime we can take a written piece of learning and make it something more visual, something more experiential, something more hands-on, we should definitely do it. Sometimes there are going to be experiments where we don't necessarily want to give all of our students their own copy of it. We don't want them all making slime in our classrooms. However, we can demonstrate that to students. We can also go out and have them do things. So we can take them outside and learn about friction and speed as they're racing baskets down the hill. We can have them look at their own homes and take an energy audit of where energy is used in their classroom. We can put salt and pepper on a plate and put a balloon on someone's head and rub the balloon on their head and then watch as the pepper attaches itself to the balloon and wonder why that's happening. They're not all doing that, but they're wondering why it's happening because you're doing it and showing it to them. That is a demonstration task that you can do for your students to make science come alive. Finally, there is still a key component of our science programs where we do have to build that comprehension. There is definitely going to be elements of our science where they will have to read and understand concepts. It shouldn't be all of our science, but it's definitely an important part of it. But we want to make sure that the comprehension piece is helping us to build understanding, sharing knowledge, learning from others, and building that background knowledge. We want to try to make this type of comprehension activity as interactive as we can. Having students complete different looking responses such as a flip book or foldable is a great way to engage your students a little bit more in what they're writing. It's a bit more organized, you can fit more information on a page and it allows students to help structure their responses because it has that organizational piece to it. 
We can also use things like matching and have cards and sorting and organizing where we are making that learning accessible because they're not writing it all down, but they're finding the information and sorting it one way or the other. We can also make it really practical for them and simplify concepts to make them understand it. So when I'm teaching about blood for the human body, I really like to reference the different components of blood and relate them to jobs that they would be familiar with. So relating them to soldiers, pilots, truck drivers, and nurses, and understanding how all of these components of the blood allow our blood to do its job, and that each component has a different job, and the jobs that I've assigned them here are representative of the purpose they have in our blood, so that the platelets help us to heal, and the plasma helps to transport things. And the white blood cells are our protectors, and they are our soldiers that help to fight against invaders that might come into our body. And then our pilots are the cargo pilots that help us to move things around. I also really like sorting activities that allow our students to show their knowledge by doing different types of activities. Activities. So it's not always about reading and responding, but sorting, matching, and really relating things to other concepts, making those connections to help them understand the content that we're teaching in science definitely helps me to explain and make the science more engaging and more practical for my students. And finally, the best for last, and I think one of the most important, is science tip number five, which is allowing inquiry to happen in your science. It's not necessarily always about front-loading all of the information and giving our students all of the answers before they even start. Sometimes we need to lead with a question. What better subject to do that in than in science? Science should be about wondering, asking questions, seeking answers. It should help us to solve problems and find solutions. It could be as simple as looking at the content of a Wonderwall activity and figuring out what is a solid, what is a liquid, what is a gas. Looking at the commonalities of all of the things they've sorted in there and then developing the definition of what a solid, a liquid, and a gas is based on the properties of the materials that you've sorted into those categories. So looking at solids as butter and ice and then trying to determine what makes butter a solid what makes ice a solid? What do they have in common? How are they different from water and juice? How are those different from the air inside a balloon and the steam coming out of a kettle? Really getting them to explore what makes those things that sit in that category similar and how that helps us to better understand the definitions of those words. Instead of simply telling students what a solid is, what a liquid is, and what a gas is, allowing them to sort through a wonder wall type of activity and a knowledge building circle and really getting them to compare and asking them questions and probing them to getting them to think a little bit deeper as to what are the properties of all of these items and how are they the same and what might the definition of a solid be? And as we continue to learn a little bit more, we add to our understanding of what makes a solid. It's also about using photos and looking at these pictures and then asking questions. Yes, I've simply given them pictures, but I'm not giving them answers. I'm not telling them what it is we're looking at. I'm asking them questions about what they're looking at and 
and recording their answers and discovering, getting them to discover what those answers might be. One of the key components for light and sound is getting students to understand how light helps us. If we look at these pictures, it allows us to understand where we might see light in our natural world and how it helps. Finally, looking at everyday materials that we use every single day, like bread and plastic forks and spoons, and discovering how those products come from a natural resource and get turned into a product is a great way to get students to begin to explore how the things that we have every day, how they actually get to us. And looking at the types of changes that happen to get them from that natural raw product into the final finished product that we use. And then exploring what those impacts are of making those products and how we can do something about it and bring about change. Teaching science should be fun. It should be fun for both you and your students. It's also a subject that can be accessible for others. We can make our even lowest and most struggling learners have science accessible through experiments, demonstrations, and hands-on activities. Yes, we will assess them differently because of their learning needs, but it means that the things that we're doing in our classroom all of a sudden become more accessible for them, which means if it is good for them, it is good for all of our students. Building on our students' strengths, so the students that thrive with visuals, the students that thrive with hands-on materials and hands-on activities are going to be able to have science accessible. So much of our science programs, when we focus simply on worksheets and reading and filling in the blank answers, aren't accessible for our students. If your science is reading heavy and hands-on, experiential light, then we can begin to build more activities in for our students, regardless of the fact that we might have restrictions in our classrooms. There are ways that we can do it. And it actually works out to be a bit less prep because you're not photocopying worksheets and struggling to get your students to understand what the text says. You're getting them to see the science in action, which means they're having fun and they're enjoying it, which means it's less of a management issue, it's more accessible, and it's much easier to assess because they have the ability to explain what it is that they're learning. So I hope I've given you some ideas of how you can transform those worksheet woes that you might be having in your science class to make a spectacular science program in your classroom by using the five tips of using hands-on, experiential, demonstrative comprehension and inquiry in your classroom. If you would like to see some of the activities that were featured in tonight's videos, you can find those in my science units in my TPT store. The ones featured here are from both my grade four and grade five science units, which are available in both the science units with lesson plans and assessment pages, as well as the companion digital workbooks for those that need the extension of the digital component of the science program. So you can find those at www.madlylearning.com forward slash shop store. Thank you so much for joining me and we will see you next week for another new episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Inquiry Live podcast replay. You can find the links, resources, and more information from today's episode at www.teachingwithinquiry.com. 
Don't forget, you can always catch this show live on Facebook every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Madly Learning Facebook page. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Inquiry Live.